Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crail, and today I'm joined by Jamie Durant, moonlighting with us after his time on the Totally Scottish Football Podcast, as well as Paul Third and Sean Wallace. How are we, folks? Fine. I'm all good. A company Thank man you. dedicated to one nah, podcast. Back, I'm back home where I should be. <laughs> Yeah, learned the error of his ways. With his, <laughs> his, he flirted with the European Super League of podcasts. Has retired to us. His roots. Um, this week, we'll discuss Aberdeen against Livingston in the Scottish Cup, a thriller, as well as the return of Ross County to action. Um, St Mirren against Cali Thistle. Um, Cali Thistle. Generally, there's, there's a lot of games this week. They've got a game tonight, as do Cove, Peterhead, Elgin. The Premiership teams are in action on Wednesday, so let's get into it, shall we? Aberdeen, well, it was 2-2 with Livingston, the Scottish Cup fourth round, but penalties were needed. They finished 5-3 to the Dons. Um, I've slightly tongue-in-cheek put on the script that Stephen Glass now has the best win percentage of any Dons boss ever at 100%, but what what were the, the thoughts generally on the performance of the Dons? A slow starter, but they seem to... Seem to be a lot better after the after the break and into extra time. The first half was pretty much every first half I've watched of Aberdeen in 2021. Too passive, too pedestrian, so poor. But the good news was that whatever was said at halftime had the desired effect. And the Dons emerged with a real sense of purpose. And there was a tempo to their play in the second half. That was the, the pleasing aspect, I guess, for, for Stephen Glass. Yeah, Aberdeen were worth their equaliser from Niall McGinn for me. Uh, and I think from the moment he scored, that only looked like there was going to be one winner. Uh, and that showed even in extra time when they fell behind again to a dubious penalty, shall we say, but it didn't phase <laughs> the team at all. Um, yeah, that's encouraging. You've got to look at the positives for, for the new manager. He's And for us, we saw Aberdeen score two goals in the game for the first time in ages. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've seen two goals. Well, Aberdeen scored two. I thought, I thought it was Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for, one, for a long time, it looked like it'd be more chance of seeing a Loch Ness monster score with an overhead kick than seeing the Dawn score more than once. But thankfully, we got it. And Aberdeen looked a lot more dangerous going forward. I mean, that, that first hour, like Paul said, they were flat, pretty passive, but. The the Livy game seemed the goal seemed to just uh, spark him into life. It was like a catalyst, and there's so much more intent from them. Much more fluidity in their passing. They were so fast. They closed down Livy. Didn't give him a chance on the ball, which is pretty much what Livy had done to done to them to them in the first half. Yeah, because Aberdeen midfield were pretty anonymous in that first forty five minutes, and. They showed their bottle in the penalties. I mean, they were so cool, all five of them. And there's so many positives going forward after the Stephen Glass got his first win in charge. I mean, it could could have been could have went the other way. One nil. I think it was Nicky Devlin burst down the right flank, completely free. He'd five Livingston teammates in the box. All he had to do was square it, and it was two nil. Probably game over. But he, he hesitated, made the wrong choice. Then Aberdeen broke up field, made it 1-1. Fantastic goal. I mean, 
Florian Camberi down that left. As soon as he got a ball, he drove forward. He only had one idea, just to get up that pitch, instigate an attack. And then it ended with Neil McGinn fighting in a fantastic goal. So lots of positives. I think there's, there's still clearly some kinks to work out from from the holdover from the previous regime, but you got little kind of glimpses as to what Stephen Glass will want his team to do, The particularly from kind of the hour mark onwards when I think when Callum Hendry came on for Fraser Hornby, you had kind of a, kind of a greater intensity impressing from the, from the front. And I think that's what obviously what Stephen Glass is going to want. You, you, they were creating more chances from that kind of period onwards and the fullbacks who were... Johnny Hayes and, and Ross McCrory, who ostensibly are midfield players playing out of position at fullback, they they got up and down for the full duration of the game, which again I imagine is what what Stephen Glass would have wanted. And in the end of the day, two of the old guards that that kind of were staples of the McInnes teams and Johnny Hayes and Niall McGinn got them got them uh, through to the through to the penalty shootout. See Hayes set up McGinn's goal and then McGinn set up the Set up the second for Florian Camberry. Um, I think Camberry looked a different player. Obviously, I think Stephen Glass made a point of, that he played him in a slightly different position, played him off the left-hand side um, rather than kind of playing him through the middle. And he he had a lot more of the pitch in front of him. He was able to drive drive forward with the ball at his feet rather than maybe than playing with his back to goal, which, which probably suited him a little bit more. And I think we've on this pod, there's obviously we've obviously kind of been critical of his performances over the last couple of weeks, but in the in the hour that he got on Saturday, I think that was more the kind of performance that Aberdeen were hoping for when they brought him in in January than maybe what we've what we've seen over the last few weeks. I think you've got, well, so I was just going to say about Camberry, uh, you've got to praise him because he was hooked at half time in the previous game, and it, I mean he's on loan at a, a team, so he hasn't got got a long term future there. There could have been a, a sort of tendency to maybe just sort of throw the, the toys out of the pram, but he came in and he looked fired up as soon as he was introduced. So his, his mentality is clearly in the right place and hopefully he can sort of kick on from us for the rest of the season. There's so much to play for. I'm actually going to change what I was going to ask there. So obviously it was the, the table's turn from the previous game. Fraser Hornby started, he played the first half, he, he went close to scoring, I don't think he quite, despite the fact on the sports scene, I believe they said he caught that chance he had well, I, I don't think he did, I think he kind of scuffed it and he probably should have scored, um, but the, the big chance he did have, do who, based on that performance, do we, do we see a place for Hornby and Camberry in the same team? It seemed if Camberry suits suited coming off the left, then perhaps the next game you go with Hornby up top again and then Camberry sort of playing off him. Does that seem like a a fair um, way to set up for Selick? Not for me. Because I, I think McGinn has to play because I don't think he's the one, cause, sorry, he's the one where we'd end up missing out, I think, if you're going to try and shoehorn Camberry and Hornby or two out of the, the, the three other attacking options that Stephen Glass has got into the side. No, I, I think McGinn is the guy who it's got Aberdeen taking over just that little bit more at the minute. So for me, he has to start, and I would still put him ahead of the other candidates, to be honest. Just Camberry on the bench then? Yep, for me. Yep. Okay. I think it would be very harsh to, to discount Callum Hendry as well. I think he'd have to be he'd have to be your starting striker, I would think, um, ahead of, say, Fraser Hornby and Florian Camberry in a central role if you want to try and fit Camberry in off the, off the left-hand side and play 
McGinn behind him in the 10 position. I think that's that's probably, you can probably say, fair enough. But um, I think you can't really discount Callum Hendry if the, after the kind of the, the performances he's put in over the over the last few weeks, I think he's done more to to show that he can he can help Aberdeen than than Fraser Hornby has. Yeah, I would agree with Jamie. I would go with uh, Hendry, and you need Niall McGinn in there. He's been probably the key player in the last few games. Uh, take Camberry on maybe with like, after sixty minutes as an impact player. He's shown that he can have a, a positive influence on a game. So, but I think Cal Cal Mendes uh, deserves a chance to start. Connor McLennan will be the mix for one of those front positions as well. I'm sure. Um, Niall McGinn, just finally on him. Can he can he win himself a new deal? He's obviously out of contract this summer. He's 33, but I mean, time and again, we we think he's we think he's finished, perhaps, and then there comes a time where Aberdeen require that bit of magic, whether it's a incisive pass or a finish to. To perhaps get them out of a hole, I would give him another year. I still think Niall McGinn's a quality player, and his deliveries and finishing have always been good at Aberdeen. I'm expecting him to be beating players and running down the line as he once did. No, but can he still make a significant contribution? Absolutely, we're seeing that. Yeah, I think McGinn deserves a, a new contract. Just obviously, it would just be a one-year contract. But I mean. Time and time again, when he's called upon, he produces the goods. And he, he does it in big games as well, so which is why he has to start against Celtic. On the Celtic game, uh, you mentioned, Sean, that Lewis Ferguson and Dean Campbell were bystanders in the first half and also the, the issue with McCrory and Johnny Hayes not really getting the better of their men until probably after the break, being pinned back quite a lot in that opening period. That's, that's a worry if... If that's how things begin in the Celtic game, isn't it? Because Celtic will be hurting after going to the Scottish Cup. We know, having seen what they've done to Livingston a week ago, we know they've still got that in them, that kind of ruthless um, performance. And if Aberdeen aren't at it straight away, it could, you know, it could um, basically, the game could be over before it begins, I suppose. Yep. I mean, this, this game will be won and lost in midfield. And if you're not on it from the very start, uh, that's where you're going to slip up. And it'll be fascinating if Scott Brown starts. And if he does, I don't think there's going to be any half measures from a Celtic captain just because he's coming to Petodi next season. I think he'll be fired in from the outset and Aberdeen centre midfielders better be up for a real scrap. Otherwise, they're going to be off the pace and that's going to seep through the entire squad. So they need to be up for this battle. It's funny, I feel this is going to be like the most low-key Aberdeen-Celtic game we've had in a while. For Aberdeen, Sunday's more important. The Dundee United Scottish Cup quarter-final. Celtic, they were well beaten on Sunday at Ibrox by Rangers. Their season's officially done and dusted. They're now playing for pride and nothing else. And that can go one of two ways from an Aberdeen point of view. Either the pressure's off and Celtic are going to come to Petardry and play well. Or, as we've seen a lot in this season, a lot of guys in that team are going to down tools completely. From Aberdeen's point of view, you can argue this is maybe the best chance they're going to get this season of getting what would be a huge result for them. But by the same token, Stephen Glass might be looking going, uh, Sunday's more matters more. I maybe need to rest one or two. Because yeah, ultimately the Dons are one match away from going back to Hamden for another semi-final. If you'd offered them a, a home quarter-final against Dundee United before the draw was made, I'm sure they would have taken that gladly. 
So it's it's, a, it's an interesting game tomorrow. As for Scott Brown, I suspect he might be on the bench. I just I don't see him playing Sunday, Wednesday at this stage of his career, especially in such a high stakes game as he just had at Ibrox. Does he really need? Does Celtic need to have all the focus on him tomorrow night? I don't know. Don't say that, Paul. He's coming to Aberdeen for two years. <laughs> um, Joe Lewis, are we expecting him to feature? Obviously, he took a pretty bad knock. Potential, I suppose, potential broken ribs. He was going for rigs, ribs. He was going for a, um, an X-ray yesterday. We don't know the answer for that. So, in tradition, Northern Gold tradition, I'm asking a question here that will be, you know, it'll be redundant in three hours' time when Stephen Glass tells us the score at the press conference. But what 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 we expecting? We think he'll be okay. I yeah. don't think he plays tomorrow. I think he's rested to make sure he's okay for Sunday. And so it's a perfect example of what I've just talked about, a guy that don't risk him tomorrow night. Although it's perhaps ominous that I tried to get an uh, answer from Cobb today on that, and it was like, oh, well, just the manager wants to tell you at the press at half 12. So maybe it okay. is bad news. Okay, listeners then, so we're caught between whether he is fine and will feature against Celtic tomorrow. He'll be rested for Dundee United or... His season's over. So I hope that helps. Um, <laughs> One of those will be right. <laughs> Who's captain? Who's captain if he doesn't play? Uh, Considine, surely. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, Considine, so. Considine took the armband at the weekend after uh, Joe Lewis went off. Now, I know Gary Woods is perhaps a big leader. <laughs> Who's going to be captain next season? That's a big question. Yeah. I think, you obviously, Sean, you obviously done a piece about that with uh, Stephen Glass. And, you know, I think within it, um, the manager said that he had two or three irons in the fire where that was concerned. Do you think do you think there's a potential that although he's going to be a coach that Scott Brown could be captain in the side in the pitch? Do you think you go for somebody younger that Brown can perhaps mentor like a Ferguson? I know that fans have maybe perhaps been a bit disappointed with Ferguson in the recent part of this season, perhaps the whole season, but or just stick with Lewis? Is it, you know, is it a slap in the face to take the captaincy away from someone that's been the captain? It's it's a tough one. I mean, personally, I don't think a keeper should be a captain. I think you've got to be out in the heart of the action. And I think it has to be a defender or a midfielder so you can see what's going on in front of you as well. Yeah. I mean, Joe, I think he's been a great captain. He, he handles himself so well on the pitch and off the pitch. He's quite vocal, but I just think you need someone out there in the heart of the action. Whether that's Scott Brown, potentially Andy Considine. I mean, you've got Ross McCrory, captain of under-21s. Or Lewis Ferguson, who knows? I always look at these things. It's an armband these days. It's just a token thing. You've got captains all over your park, surely. I believe it was, well, I'm sure there's a famous uh, Evening Express columnist who says that it should have 11 captains out there <laughs> on the field. You're in my mind. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's, let's move on from the Dons and move on to our two sides up in the Highlands okay so briefly before we move into Cali Thistle Ross County are obviously back in action this midweek they had the weekend off because they were weren't involved in the Scottish Cup because Cali Thistle put them out of it um, Paul you were at the Ross County press conference yesterday they've got a massive game against St Mirren um, a team that almost got in the top six they've got them in Dingwall tomorrow night what was what was John Hughes saying about this one? Well, first of all, it only took him the 19 minutes to say what he wanted to say this week. Um, he's obviously um, 
thinking a lot about what he's wanting to come away with. Um, he, he spoke a lot about the mindset of his players and making sure that they approach these last four games positively, starting with the St Mirren game on Wednesday. Um, it's clear that uh, keeping clean sheets is not exactly Ross County's forte this season, so I can see why the players should be looking at simply trying to outscore the opposition. That seems to be the theme of how Yogi's going to go about this. But the other topic for discussion, away from the club's relegation fight, was the manager's ongoing spat with the SFA. Uh, having called for refereeing reform, stated how poor some officials are and that small clubs are getting nothing, he's been hit with a notice of complaint. It's probably the most least surprising development of the season. Um, but he'll have his chance to explain himself at next Thursday. And to be fair, he, while he says he probably does have a case to answer, given his comments um, a couple of weeks ago, he's not willing to accept going from being the manager wronged by key incidents to the guy who should be punished by the authorities for speaking up on behalf of his players. He wants those guilty of simulation taken to task. That's the crux of his argument, which he feels is being overlooked in favour of his own colourful jockstrap comment. Uh, we've discussed that the situation in Ross County are in, the best thing would be for them to you know, draw their away games, win their home games in the post-split, and that should, that should see them through, keep them in the Premiership for next season. Um, is, is there going to be a little bit of frustration? This is kind of an ongoing topic. That even if they get that result against St Mirren tomorrow night, they've then got another weekend off. That you know they could be building momentum. They, they they've had this. This will be I think the third time they've had it in like probably as many weeks. John Hughes said from the outset, "I want to be playing. Let me play Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, and be done. Just get these five games. Short, sharp, bust." Everyone knows what's at stake and let's just go out and get the games played. But it must have been tough because they played so well to come back twice against Kilmarnock and then have to wait 10 days to play again. That's a challenge mentally for players, when, as we know how, how high the stakes are for everyone at Victoria Park. And now they're facing the same scenario again. They play St Mirren tomorrow night, win or lose, it's another 10-day wait until they go to Tannadice a week on Saturday. What's that, 1st of May? Um, while it does allow them to rest and recover, it's a lot of time to be sitting either dwelling or having that nervous energy looking ahead to the next game. Will they be inspired having seen what Inverness done against St Mirren in the Scottish Cup? And Inverness didn't get three in the end, losing 2-1 to a late Marcus Fraser goal, former Staggies player. But will they have been inspired by seeing what a, a team, a championship, were able to, how they were able to perform and how they were able to get at um, St Mirren with attacking football? I think there's a it's a handy blueprint to to have there, particularly if it's uh, how well Inverness did against them, and by and large they were probably the better better team on on Friday night and could count themselves unlucky to be out of the competition. I think it it will it will help. It's I think the onus is on County to go and make to go and make this happen. Go and go and get these results. Take the game to St Mirren. They've got nothing to to lose at this stage, or nothing to to gain almost by being cautious or pragmatic I think you've got you've got the players there that can go and can go and hurt St Mirren and one result could be huge in terms of your own prospects of, of staying in the division On Inverness then they seem to be pretty disappointed to come away from Paisley without progressing in the cup I think it, it looked like first of all a phenomenal game I mean there were loads of Inverness chances that were playing really good football and um, they were getting forward constantly 
threatening. Maybe, maybe just um, unfortunately didn't get more than one goal. Nikolai Todorov, of course, getting his sixth goal in five games. But maybe if they'd, you know, they'd got another one, they'd got another couple that could have, you know, that could have put a tin lid on it. It, it could have, but it's the timely reminder of the subtle difference between being in the Premiership and being in the Championship. Carly Thistle went into that game aside in good form, and they still are in good form even though they lost, um, and they were unfortunate to concede a, a late goal. But it does show the difference between the two divisions, in that you can get away with missing some chances or making a mistake a bit more in the Championship than you do in the top flight. You just don't have that same margin for error. As much as it, it'll be hurting, and as, despite how well they actually played, Carly Thistle know that when it was all said and done, St Mirren were more clinical when it mattered, and that's why they've gone through the quarterfinal. It might actually count in their favour in the in the long run. I mean, it's oh, although you never want to be knocked out of a competition, and it was a chance for a for a decent run to perhaps even the semi-finals. It's a couple of less games out of the way for for Inverness. They've not got that extra schedule to fit in, given that they've got well starting with a huge game tonight against Dundee, and then two games left before what we what we will expect to be the the playoffs, unless something kind of disastrous happens. So I think getting these guys a little bit of rest where possible and not having to fit in more midweek games i think it may it may be a positive for them in the in the long run when it comes to their fortunes come the end of the season i really enjoyed watching the, the game or well, the highlights anyway it looked fantastic and uh, i mean inverness they looked very dangerous going forward and scott allen's clearly made a big difference to them and I think he could be the key in the, the running and although they've lost this game they've still got that momentum in the league which will serve them well and if they could perform to that level against Dundee they're more than capable of getting the win they need. That's kind of what I was going to say although they, they lost it wasn't the kind of performance that destroys their confidence or anything that's built their confidence and the way they're looking just now it just it just looks so positive from Renes especially if they can get through this game tonight with a win, that would you know that would be a huge blow on their playoff rivals. It would get them because they've had the week off of the Scottish Cup. It would get them back in the, the playoff places, and they're a game behind. I think the other two teams that are in contention. So it's, I I just think it looks brilliant. What do we think about the Hearts game on Saturday? Obviously, Hearts are already they've, they've won the league, but I think Robbie Nielsen's still under that pressure to to get results and show that he's the man for the job and show that he can, you know. Well, I'm not sure if you can win back the Hearts fans, but do we expect Hearts to come into this game sort of resting on their laurels, knowing that there's nothing really to play for for them, or do we? Yeah, do we expect it to still be a pretty challenging um, afternoon for Inverness? I've got I've got no idea. I go back to my comments that I made about Celtic just a few minutes ago. We've seen a complacent Hearts for weeks, so who knows how they're going to feel now that the titles. One and they're, they're coming back up. Um, much like we're discussing about Celtic, this all hinges on what Hearts team runs out at Tynecastle on Saturday. One playing with no pressure or one which is down tools. Uh, Carla Thistle clearly will be hoping it's a latter. Um, but I, I think looking at the bigger picture, I mean, the game against Dundee tonight, this is season on the line stuff for Inverness. I don't, it's not quite win or bust, but it's dare not lose. I think that's how I would describe it. Um, Dundee are going well. I think if Carly get a result, it's clearly a huge, a huge one for them. But I, I, I don't think Dundee are the team that Carly Thistle are really aiming for at this point. I think it's Dunfermline. That's the I one think, who should be worried. 
how this is all panning out. But certainly Inverness have got it all to do with Dundee, then Hearts, and then Air United, who could be fighting and coming up to Inverness needing a result to stay up. So it's a, it's a huge finish in store. I think uh, Inverness will dictate what kind of Hearts team runs out to weekend. If Inverness are fired up for this and goes them down from the outset, don't give them a second on the ball, then Hearts, they're not going to like it. And their season's already over. They're out of the Scottish Cup. They've won the title, so they're really going to be up for a like a like an award of attrition. Whereas if Inverness let them have time on the ball, let them enjoy it, then they're going to be just going to be able to relax, pass the ball to their leisure. So it all comes down to what Inverness do and how which Hearts team ultimately turns up. Okay, exciting week. Right, we'll need to move on then to our teams in League One and League 2. Okay. First of all, an enormous result at the Balmoral Stadium on Saturday. Cove 2, Falkirk 0. Cove now level on points with the Bairns at the top of the League 1. Two goals from Mitch Meganson. Um, Falkirk are doing their best not to win the title and have been for the last few weeks it'd be safe to say um, is the momentum now with Cove Jamie? You'd have to think so I mean they've been unbeaten since football resumed in the lower leagues last month they've picked up big wins against Adrian now Falkirk on, on home soil it's it's tremendously tight at the top of at the top of League 1 you've obviously got Partick Thistle that are only a point behind as well Looking at the games for this midweek, I'd expect the top three to all win. I think they're all away from home, but I'd still expect them to to win. So you're looking at it being the same picture going into the I think teams playing four games in ten days um, from from the weekend to decide who's going to win the title and who's going to be in the playoffs. But I think Cove getting that win against Falkirk, given that they're going to have to play them again after the split, is going to be it's going to be huge for them. They've not lost a game. Since before before the turn of the year, it's it's a great time to be at Cove at the minute, and they've got what now? They'd hope they'd hope they've got five games, or probably four games by the time this comes out, that will determine their season, and potentially there's going to be there'll be playoffs in the at the end of that as well. Hope you saved your best stuff for a northern goal. There. <laughs> um, the you mentioned the schedule there. Obviously, Falkirk are full-time and the momentum might not be with them at the moment, but because Cove are part-time, could the schedule, um, could Cove find that more oppressive and more damaging than Falkirk will? I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm clutching at straws, but is that is that a potential issue that will affect Cove perhaps slightly more? I think at this stage of the season and given the schedule that they've had to come through already just to get to the 18-game mark, don't think there'll be too there'll be too kind of much of a difference between the between the two clubs. So see the Falkirk and Thistle have the benefit of of working with their players on a full time basis. But the way Cove the Cove try to operate as a essentially as a full time club while being part time, and most of these training sessions of late, I think Paul's Paul Hartley said it's kind of been about recovery anyway. And while they're picking up results, I don't think he'd want to change too much. I think just getting the players fresh and ready to go again and just picking up where they left off and just hoping this momentum continues as a almost as a snowball snowball effect to to the end of the season and a few more results 
who knows, Cove could well end up getting promoted automatically and going up as champions. Um, but they'll certainly be in the thick of the of the playoff race come uh, well come the end of the month. Mitch Merginson's the key guy, though, in all of this now, isn't he? I mean, we saw his terrific goal at the weekend. Um, but it's it's no surprise that he's really standing out again for Cove because for me, he's a he's a championship player. He showed that while he was at Dumbarton. So, with all due respect, I think the Highland League and League One and League Two are challenges he can handle comfortably, um, and that ultimately has put Cove in a very good position. You have to say that they're in there, and unlike last season where they were overwhelming favourites from day one, I don't think there's that much pressure on them this time. It's it's all on the likes of Falkirk and Park Thistle, the, the full time teams. Paul Hartley and his players will be fancying their chances. But honestly, I'm sure he's saying, let's just enjoy this next game, go and win it and see where how far it can take us. But I, I do expect a few twists and turns yet, but Cove have got a great chance now. It's a, a huge statement of intent from Cove, was it, to beat Falkirk? And if they could go up, what, a, what an achievement that would be. I mean, from a league where there's three full-time teams, they're... I'm not going to say mention Gretna because if Cove Cove's rise up the league is based on solid foundations where Gretna was based on like sand and you just knew it was going to collapse at some point. But Cove are built for the long term sustainable ascent up the leagues and hopefully this is just the next step. I think as Paul pointed out there, so Mitch Mitch is vital to it. You look at his goals over the last Couple of couple of seasons just since they came into the SPFL. Never mind kind of the years in the Highland League. I mean, it's thirty five goals in thirty nine league games, which underlines how important he is to them. And I think the the games that he's missed this season, I don't think they've won. I think they lost a couple of back to back against Montrose and Clyde back in December. I think where he was out, and then there was one recently. I think where they potentially down at East Fife where he'd missed out after the Rangers game, um, where they drew. So I think that underlines just how important he is to them. I, th- I think keeping him fit it gives you a, a huge chance of, of finishing the season, finishing the season on a high. Um, the managers obviously he's kind of played down their chances as you would expect. He's kind of tried to keep a lid on things towards the end of the season. And it's very much just let's just try and win as many games as we can and see where it takes us. Where I think you've noticed in speaking to the players over the last couple of weeks that. There's an increased sense that they've that they can go up and they can get promoted, and it's something that's that's within their grasp. It is. It's not as if it's the start of the season. You've got 20, 30 games to go before it's before it's there for you. There's potentially f- like f- four or five games for you to, to go and get yourselves another league title. Peterhead can no longer finish in the top half. They went down two one to East Fife, despite being ahead via Hamish Ritchie's goal. Um, Andrew McDonald was sent off for the blue tune after denying Ryan Wallace a goal-scoring opportunity. And then Danny Denham scored for East Fife. I think their next goal was Scott, uh, came from Scott Agnew, their winner. And they had a man sent off, but pretty late on. Um, the, Peterhead, the Peterhead message is now changed to one of you know making sure they stay away from relegation trouble it's still pretty tight down at the bottom of league one I think they're only three points ahead of Clyde in the relegation playoff place so it's important isn't it that Cove or Peterhead sorry Cove are playing Montrose tonight but Peterhead could do 
Cove a, a favour with a win over Falkirk, but it's also important for Peterhead that they pick up results. Yeah. Oh, it is. But I don't think that Jim McAnally will be too disappointed that um, the chance of going up the way is gone. Because I really don't think that was a, a serious ambition for the club this season. If, if they'd gotten to fifth, he would have been over the moon because it would have meant they were safe and avoiding all this stress and strain that's going to come after this split. But ugh, the, the aim is survival for Peterhead. While it would have been nice to take that pressure away, it's now just about simply picking up enough points to make sure that they, they stay out of that bottom two places. I think they've got it within them to do that. Um, although keeping a living players from the park would go a long way to, to help him with that that aim because I think that's been a bit of an Achilles heel for them this season. Yeah, that alongside, um, it seems to me like they've had pretty much a new injury every week. Um especially to senior players that don't seem to be able to keep their senior players fit. And I agree with you, Paul, that I, I never has really felt like promotion was anything other than maybe like the playoffs were perhaps the very top end of what they could achieve if everything went right this season, it kind of felt like. So maybe it's a, a case of just securing their place, consolidating and then seeing if they can they can push on a bit more next term. Um, Elgin. What is going on with Elgin? They've now lost three on the spin, um, five two at home to Albion Rovers at the weekend. Jamie, can you shed some light on it? Oh, I wish I could. Um, at the minute, it just seems to be a, a wobble that they they can't really get a get a grip on because it had looked like they'd turned the corner with the three wins on the bounce that had got them back up to up to second in the table, but now. They're almost hitting the skids at the at the worst possible time. I mean, they're secure in the top half, but they're desperately in search of that playoff place, which was kind of taken away from them with the early curtailing of of last season. And looking at the team Elgin have got, they should be they should be making the playoffs. It's, again, it's not terminal at this stage, given that say Queens Park have pretty much run away with the division, and you'd expect Edinburgh City at the minute to finish second but there's still two other playoff places there to to grab and I think Elgin should fancy the chances in, in getting one of those and then who knows what happens in the in the playoffs but it will be worrying for for Gavin Price at the minute he had kind of said before that one of the issues he they had was that started games they were quite sluggish and we're, we're taking kind of half an hour or so to get into games when other teams had maybe already got a goal and gone in front Whereas that hadn't been the case maybe in the last couple of games. And it's it's in kind of small errors that have that have cost them. And at this stage of the season, those errors prove more decisive, be it turning um a draw into a into a defeat or a win into a into a draw if you're on that kind of if you're on the receiving end of them. So I think these next these next couple of games are going to be vital for Elgin if they can pick up a couple of wins and re-establish some momentum that'll do them well but if the kind of the losing run goes on there's a real chance of obviously them missing out on the playoffs dare I suggest this is peak Elgin in and about it all season lose their way towards the end a wee bit and then it's a mad dash to the finish try to scramble to get back into the playoff places that tends to be the way last season's probably the exception in that they were looking quite comfortable and on course before the play was stopped that's, that's quite an ironic one in itself I guess um but clearly they need to get back on track quickly and they need to stop the rot but the problem is they're now going away to play the form team the dominant team 
in the division. And I'll be honest, I'm not expecting any points for Elgin from their game against Queen's Park. If they do, it's a huge result for them, all things considered. But they're playing against a team who are head and shoulders, the best side in the division. And you've just got to hope the results elsewhere go for them so that they're not further adrift. fact that Queen's Park, there's, there's a lot riding on this game tonight for them as well. They they need a point, I think, to to mathematically seal the title. So it's, um, yeah. I think it sounded like Elgin chucked a couple of goals in as well the weekend. It is, it is worrying times going in, even safe in the top half, but going into those those post-split fixtures um, without momentum is, yeah, seems like it could be a difficult thing to turn around but hopefully hopefully not for them um, next up we'll get a little bit of chat on the, the pyramid playoff latest okay so finally today um, well no news is it good news I'm not sure um, since we spoke last week the there's still no news on the pyramid playoff which is supposed to the pyramid playoffs are supposed to start this weekend remember whether they're going to go ahead. Um, Kelty and Broda were supposed to meet for the first time this weekend before looking like whoever wins that tie will move on to play um, Brecon. But we're still waiting for the SPFL to rule on dates and confirm that it's all going to take place as planned. What, what, what are we feeling Guys, are we feeling feeling positive about this yet? Or do we think, um, I know Callum said last week the concerns were over the League 1 and League 2 fixtures finishing on time that the SPFL had, but are we still thinking that's the case? I think this is just my own kind of personal gut feeling, but the longer it drags on, the less optimistic I feel. Because I would think if there was little issue with it, they would just come out and say, this is the date for League 1. Sorry, this is the date for kind of the pyramid playoff between the League Two side and the winner of the Highland Lowland playoff. There was obviously there was meant to be an announcement yesterday after the SPFL meeting, but then obviously the, the whole European Super League nonsense happened, and I think the SPFL maybe got a bit distracted by that. And they've got, but they've still got this pivotal issue to sort. And you've got two clubs in Kelty and Brora who've been given permission to return to training ahead of playing this Saturday in the first. In the first leg, as far as I'm aware, I don't know if the has the kind of the f- who's away and who's at home first been confirmed because I may I may have missed that. I don't know. I haven't seen it. No, I think no. I was under the impression we're awaiting that as part of the yeah. part of the confirmation of dates. Which again, that that puts a whole that that's another kind of stress for these clubs because either Kelty or Brora are going to have to organise travel at short notice to get up to get up the road or down the road wherever the game is and then they don't know if they're going to have a, a team to play against at the end of it. <sighs> I'm always going to be kind of cynical with these things and the way things happened last year left a, a sour taste in the mouth and given that they have, Brora and Kelty have both been declared champions with only a handful of games played, I think that could be looked upon as a way out for the SPFL. I'll be happy to be proven wrong if that goes if that proves not to be the case and the game goes ahead. But I'm kind of <laughs> I'm naturally kind of cynical in these situations and I'm ex- I'm fearful of of the worst coming out. I smell a cop out coming. Definitely from the SPFL. I think 
the suggestion last night was the SFA is taking legal advice on this and what the Lowland League and Highland League have done is sound and within their competition rules and they are within their rights to put forward their representatives as champions. The SPFL don't like the sound of that and are allegedly taking their own legal advice as that's what's been reported um, to see if this marries up with what the SFA have been told and I can only suspect the only reason you're doing that is if you're looking for a way to fudge this and not have a playoff. Now I don't I know there's the conspiracy theorists will be looking at breaking but I think this is bigger than breaking this is just SPFL looking to protect the establishment as per usual if if I don't see a rational argument against letting Kelty and Brora compete in the playoff, there was no rational argument for not letting that happen last year. So you to then rub salt in the wounds by doing this again, if, that come, if that's what turns out to be the case, would be frankly unforgivable, I think, and would show that our governing bodies are not fit for purpose in this country. Yeah, I 100% agree, Paul. It would show that the SPFL are unfit for purpose and it would kill so much faith in the associations that the football fans have. Probably faith that has already been rocked over the last couple of years. I mean, I don't care if Broad only played three games. They were declared Highland League champions. Kelty were declared Lowland League champions. They deserve the right to play in that pyramid playoffs. If they are denied it, it will be an absolute disgrace and will leave a sour taste in my mouth and the mouth of probably every football fan in Scotland. And I think you mentioned it yesterday, Paul, be a bit the irony that if they are denied this opportunity of the SPFL coming out and slating this new European league for being a closed shop, you couldn't make it up. Yeah, well that's. I think that might give them a little bit of a wake-up call. I think you see the reaction that has been to that. I mean, it's obviously this because hugely different scenarios in in the kind of the the monies that we're talking about here. But it's the, it's the principle of open competition. I mean, if it's if they are denying the pyramid playoff teams a chance at, at coming up for a second season in a row, I don't see what integrity the pyramid has left because you've had two teams that have done it for two years in a row. And albeit in trying circumstances because of the pandemic, they've still they've still done all they can. It's no, they've not done anything wrong, but it's been decisions that have been taken or could be taken above their head and deny them the chance to to compete. And it's clubs that want to want to progress and see if everything's in order um, from a kind of a criteria standpoint for those two to go up. Which I've no reason to believe it isn't, given that they're. <laughs> They've they've both stated the desire to to go up. Then I don't see what grounds there would be to deny them that opportunity. If they are denied this opportunity, I hope both clubs get together in a joint action and take the SPFL to court over this because it's it's disgusting. It is utterly horrific if this comes to pass. Now we're maybe preempting this, and all is going to be fine, and they will announce the dates later today, but. Why not? It's, it's Everything you've seen for this is enough to make you go, someone's up here. And that's a terrible thing to even think of our own governing body. 
in terms of the league structure in this country. That we, that we, The fact that we are all so cynical and think that they might even attempt to do this in the first place tells you how low their reputation is in the estimation of so many. We're talking about this as journalists. Fans will be talking about this everywhere. If you're, if you're Brora and you're Kelty, you've invested significant sums of money at the level you're playing at with a view to winning promotion. If you're being denied that through no fault of your own, but purely by red tape and some sort of fudging manoeuvre, or whatever you want to call it, lever being put in place by the league you're trying to get into, one, why would you want to go up there? Two, I want my money back for the investment we are making and you're denying us when we're, we're doing exactly what's been asked of us. Come on, let them play and then let the team at the bottom earn the right to stay up or drop out of the league. That's the whole point of a pyramid structure. Anything else is merely fudging it. If there's no pyramid playoff, it just proves that the whole thing's rotten to the core. And it, it, is, it will be absolutely disgusting. A shocking way to treat clubs and a terrible <laughs> statement to put out in a way. It's just, it just disgusts me. You know the elephant in the room in all of this? Colts teams and Rangers and Celtic looking to buy a place in the league. And they're willing to entertain that. Yet, <laughs> what what is going on here? It's just it's outrageous. We could have done an hour and a half on this. Um, we better calm down because we'll let you see what they actually decide first. But oh, it's it doesn't. I have that ugly, horrible feeling deep in my bones right now as we're discussing this, gentlemen. I feel the worst. Yeah, the longer it drags on, the the more concerns I've got. I will so, never be happier to have egg on my face if this has all just been a needless <laughs> getting your hackles up yeah, exercise. Definitely. So to save me doing a listener note at the start of the episode later on, when in half an hour's time a statement comes out confirming the dates of the pyramid playoffs and that it's all going ahead, we're absolutely delighted. Should a statement come out and say, no, they aren't taking place for whatever reason that we've covered there, um, but absolutely disgusted. So In a nutshell. Yeah. Like I make your own adventure book, you just, you just <laughs> based on whatever has happened. Either way, happily ever after. Either way, I'll be cracking open the tennis tonight. Either in celebration, <laughs> there's playoffs, or to drown my sorrows. Do the right. Football's rotten. Do the right. That's all you have to do. All right. It's not difficult. <laughs> okay, so that concludes this week's episode of Northern Goal. I'm sure, Jamie's got another podcast he needs to dash off and do. Um, thanks, guys, for joining me today. You're welcome. Hopefully, I'm calmer next week. Not a problem. Thank you. Cheers. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can like and subscribe in your favourite podcast app. You can email us at northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. And finally, enjoy the games that you're streaming this week. Cheers. Hope you loved the episode, and if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.